Hey there, everybody. You know what the drill is. Friday, December 11th, 2015. My name is Luke Thomas, and this is the Promotional Malpractice Live Chat, day three. Uh, we've done these now Wednesday, Thursday, and now Friday. Normally, we go an hour and a half. Today, just uh, one hour, just 60 minutes. Actually, a little bit less than that since we got started a little bit late, but you get the idea. Roughly 60 minutes. We'll talk about a bunch of things. Cannot wait to talk about last night's Rose Number Eunice Page Van Zant fight. I mean, utterly phenomenal in every imaginable way. Uh, tonight, you got Edgar versus Mendez. Who doesn't love a little bit of Edgar Mendez? And then tomorrow, the big one, uh, UFC 194. Um, just, you know, we're getting to a point now where I'm glad I did three chats. Um, we're running out, not running out of things to say, but we're getting to a point where it's like there's nothing left to say. You know, you've analyzed this from every angle imaginable, which is the most sat. In my judgment, the most satisfying way to to, to organize a fight, uh, or uh, organize to cover a fight. Um, but in any case, so we'll get to all that. And anything else you have to uh, say, best place to do that, of course, is on MMAfighting.com. Comments that turn green get priority, but not exclusivity. You can follow me on Twitter at SBN Luke Thomas. Uh, use the hashtag Chat Rappers, and I'll use that to answer some of your questions. Uh, and then, uh, last but not least, uh, iTunes.com/slash um, Promotional Practice. Oh. And all I have left is just backwash of Coke Zero. Y'all like my hoodie? Not my hoodie, but my uh, sweatshirt. See that? It says no, This is Brooklyn Notorious, and it's Notorious B.I.G. I am way too old and uncool to be wearing it, but what are you going to do? Okay. Let's do this while I fumble this. Christ. All right. First up on the docket. Here we go. The forgotten fight. Uh, Jacare versus Yoel Romero. Glad someone finally asked. People were like, why aren't you talking about it? I'm like, I don't know. Why aren't you asking about it? You ask about it. I shall speak about it. That's how it works. Uh, Luke, throughout all the lead up to the three UFC events this week, there's been virtually zero promotion or mention of this exciting matchup at 185 pounds. Jacare and Yoel are two physically gifted fighters who have achieved the highest level of success in their previous athletic backgrounds. Both men have a reputation, excuse me, uh, of finishing their opponents in a dominant and often shocking fashion. What's more, the winner of the fight is almost guaranteed a shot at middle weight. This match has the violence for potential written all over it, and for some reason, the UFC ultimately decided not to draw any attention to it. I was surprised that both Souza and Romero weren't in attendance at the UFC 194 pre-fight press conference on Wednesday. So the question is, what are your thoughts on the UFC's reluctance towards pushing the Jacare-Romero fight into the spotlight? And is this a perfect example of promotional practice? No, I don't think so. In a perfect world, of course, it would have been nice to have these promoted. Um, you guys know I've... I mean, these are two of my favorite fighters. I don't really have favorite fighters in that kind of way that a fan does, but I just mean as a guy who... Uh, if you appreciate, um, you know, when technique meets athleticism, boy, it's really hard to deny either of these two guys as people at the top of your list, right? So um, for me, though, if you just think about the UFC saying to themselves, we have this, this is the finite space in which we can promote this. This is the amount of money we have and energy and resources to put things into paid advertisement, to earned media, to um, how we're going to structure these events at these areas how we're going to devote our time on embedded. All, these are, it's, it's a finite amount at the end of the day. It's a finite amount of money, it's a finite amount of resources, and it's a finite amount of time. So when you think about it in those finite capacities, then you have to ask yourself, okay, how do we want to divide this? Does it make more sense to go very heavy on 
headliners, and then the occasional extra show or extra show, extra fight or fighter we can invest in. Your Sage North cuts. Certainly, the co-main event of UFC 194 requires, you know, some devotion to resources. So when you begin to ask these questions, you begin to have to say, well, that, that means we have to make some tough choices because it doesn't make sense that we have to promote a fight just because it's on a card, even if it's good. The question is, what, how do we get maximum um, sales and visibility um, potential out of this finite amount of resources? And I'm not saying that there wouldn't have been a case to maybe have them on um, embedded or have done something else to promote this. But remember, they did previously, um, to a large extent, they had still had some of those resources. And more than that, you have two guys who, you know, look, I have tremendous respect for, but they don't, they're not as accessible to the American media. If this had been in Brazil, certainly I think both guys would have been a part of any kind of media day festivities in a more robust way. But I guess the long story short is, and I'm going to go back to this, I don't think the UFC promoted this perfectly. I don't know that there is such a thing as being perfect, but the ambition and the scale of it all necessarily required some tough choices. And when you have two guys who are in an important fight who aren't necessarily stars in that way, who neither of which speak English, and you have these all these other assets that you can lean on that don't have these obstacles or hangups for the audience to which you are trying to sell this product, it just makes sense a little bit that it wouldn't get the kind of shine you would expect. You can quibble, I think, at the margins about, okay, it could have gotten a little something more. Okay, I won't, I won't argue with that too much. Um, but I guess what I would say is I don't think that they botched it in any kind of horrible, ridiculous way. I don't think that they have undercut themselves in terms of the short-term sales. And, and, and to your point, you mentioned it already, the winner is going to get a title shot. Um, there will be time to rally behind these guys if and when um, – they eventually meet that opportunity. I, I really don't see this as any kind of a limiting factor. It, it's a rare moment where a fight that good doesn't get the attention it deserves. but um, And that's regrettable in its own way, but it's really not the end of the world either. I'm going to start banning some spam in these comments. Okay, let's go to the next question then. Um, technique talk. What was Sage doing with his head in top control? When Sage got on top of Cody in round one, it looked like he was pressing his forehead against Cody's to keep him down. I don't think I've ever seen this before. Usually fighters use the side of their head to brush side to side to keep things busy. Is this a specific wrestling BJJ thing? Um, I need to see what you're talking about because I don't know. I'm not sure that I saw that or that I can ac accurately comment without having seen exactly what you're talking about. Let's see. Pressing his forehead against Cody. So forehead to forehead. Could have been used to keep his posture down. Maybe some kind of trick he has there to keep his weight over him to prevent him from doing something. I don't know. Uh, I, I have to go back and look. Um, here's a bad question. Is McGregor Aldo way easier to predict than we think? This is such a bad question, but let me read what he says. From what I've seen, I think McGregor stops him from strikes. My analysis is simple. I have no doubt Connor can and will hurt Aldo, while I doubt uh, Jose can significantly hurt him. Connor's chin has been tremendous. Jose can be hurt far easier and also seen in his fight with Mendez. So even if they're both landing shots, I can see Connor's hurting Jose much more than Jose is hurting him. All the other details, speed, footwork, ground game, may not be nearly as relevant as we're making them. I don't think Aldo's ground game 
will come into play much if at all. Sometimes the simplest observations are the most relevant. Well, that might be true. Certainly that, but the question about, is it easier to predict? So let me, let's talk about predictions for just a second. Because if you follow mine, and you don't really need to, and I'm perfectly honest about that, there's no reason to follow my predictions. I mean, there's people who spend a lot more time watching tape than I do, but I do them because they're fun and there's a value to doing them, at least for the conversation uh, exercise. Uh, I got them all right yesterday. Now, we know the Antonio Carlos Jr. versus Kevin Casey fight um, was scrapped. But the rest of the fights that were made, I got them all right, including the Tiago Santos uh, upset. Technically speaking, Rose Namajunas was an upset. And there was one more upset I got correct. Oh, I lucked into that one. The um, Sergio Marais Omari Akhmedov upset. <clears throat> if you think that means I'm going to get the rest of these picks for today and tomorrow... <coughs> correct you're sadly mistaken i will most certainly not i mean i'll hopefully i get the majority of them correct but that's the best case scenario it is not possible to just go back to back it's possible to get everyone right on one card it's very difficult to do that over two then three nights uh i don't know if i've ever ever seen something like that that's an insane amount of accuracy you're asking on someone that is just not possible but to the question that you're asking is it easier to predict than we think no who are that easy predictions would be happening in other words even if you think it's going to go a certain way and it looks relatively similar, that doesn't necessarily mean it was easy to predict. There are a lot of variables here that are put us in an unknowable space. You're talking about knowledge you simply don't have. No one can have, and I don't mean you in particular. No one can have it. Um, not just that. What, not it's not a question of just what is going to happen in the future, but about the interplay of these very, very complicated variables. Um, in the end, it may be it may happen that McGregor's power overwhelms Jose Aldo. To me, that's a very credible argument you can make. There's not a lot of arguing you can do against that. You'd have to say, well, maybe this, maybe that, but it's not a dismissible point. Um, but nevertheless, um, if it were so easy, you would see a little bit more consensus. The easy predictions are the ones like Chad Mendes versus Cody McKenzie, because there's not nearly as many unknowable and even knowable interplay of variables. There's a lot of unknowns in McGregor Aldo. Even the knowns have complicating interaction. So is it easy to predict? Even if you call it this way and it goes relatively similar, no, it's not that easy to predict. It's actually quite hard to predict, which is why you're seeing people really struggle with it. If you're really sort of being considerate of the facts, if you're being considerate of um, the talents and the liabilities of everyone here and the larger, we talked about this before, the larger support systems that both guys have, there's no way to conclude, wow, what an easy prediction. Um, you, you have to disregard fundamentally um, impacting things. Um, and I, I don't think that's fair. Connor may win. Connor may blast him out in the first. These are not things I would ever deny him being possible. Um, but anyone who says it's just, oh, look, Giselle is just going to let kick him and move. Mm, it seems to me awfully simplistic. Oh, well, look, Connor can hurt him and he can't hurt Connor. Yeah, he can hurt Connor. Um, Sorry, he can. Um, he can hurt Connor in ways that Connor hasn't conceived of. Um, that's this, you know, he is not Iron Man. Um, he's a mortal human being, and we have seen that Jose Aldo can test the limits of that uh, biological construction of any man, rather, rather simply. Um, so we'll see what happens, but I don't think it's very easy to predict at all. Also, the MMA landscape is. Um, littered with guys who can hurt the other one and the other one can't hurt him and the one who alleged, allegedly can't hurt him still ends up winning by hook or by crook. All right. 
why wouldn't you think Jose would use his far superior BJJ? It's a good question. Asking to that guy. All right, here we go. I'm so glad someone finally asked this. Thug Rose, what did you think of Rose's performance against Paige last night, and where does she go from here? Title shot, perhaps. Uh, I don't think she goes to a title shot. How do I have a mosquito in December? Unbelievable. Uh, let me let me say this about Rose Namajunas. Just, I mean, how do you not how do you not stand up and cheer for something like that, right? That's why we watch, isn't it? Isn't that why we watch? You watch because you like big personalities, maybe, and because the action is crazy. Okay, fine. You also watch because if you're if you're a true fan of the UFC and what the UFC does really well, it is just the extraordinary display of um, fighting excellence, man. That is what it is. It is athletic fighting excellence. What is the UFC's brand? What is their core product? What are they really best at? Athletic fighting excellence, man. That's what you got. Tr- just 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 tremendous. So so exhaustive Rose Namajunas was in her defensive responsibilities, being everywhere she needed to be. You go back and you watch the fight. I'm going to break it down the Monday morning analyst. You go back and you watch that fight, man. Look at how every time they clinch, the first one pummeling under successfully is Rose Namajunas. That isn't just proper technique. That's hustle, man. And she got both of those down. Watch every single time. And like Holly Holm, if she couldn't get the underhook, she would put the forearm right on the clavicle here and just make a, make a frame. Um, that wouldn't let Paige Van Sant get, get in on her. So there was that. It was marvelous in just the awareness of um, positioning that they had to have. They must have game planned for this perfectly. Wow. Every time she could have overcommitted to a position, she didn't. There was just real dialed-in control by Rose Nama Yunus, man. Um so so that was tremendous. I mean, I'm getting excited even talking about it. And then you have on the offensive side, um, just a a, 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 a a totally brilliant job in all the dimensions and phases of offense, having rehearsed but clever, well-executed um, strikes on the outside, both the punching combination she had to get her get herself off center, the ability to circle out, and I don't mean head off center, I mean to, to step out at an angle constantly, find uh, uh, Sage who leaves her head kind of in the same place. Uh, they took advantage of that. They knew who they were fighting. They knew where the fight was going to go. They knew what Rose had to work with, and they built a system of offense and defense around that that put Paige Van Zant under ice. I mean, she was under a sheet of ice. She could do nothing except drown. Uh, wow. I mean, let me tell you something about Rose Namajunas in addition to all of that. In addition to just technically outmatching her and um, in, in every dimension possible, and I thought having a you know a, a pretty um, okay, we'll just leave it there. Just the technique of it all. When Rose Namajunas gets out there, you you need to fight her correctly because if you don't, it's not just that you know you could get hurt because it's a fight. Rose Namajunas is out there playing for keeps. <laughs> She she is not. Uh, this is not a game in any capacity whatsoever. This this to me was like the most illustrative argument about why MMA is both a sport and why it is not uh, not a game, right? George St. Pierre talked about that previously. Many many people have just just incredible job by Rose Namajunas. Um, I could heap superlatives on that th- that performance of hers all day. I truly take my hat off to her. It was so complete. So complete. There just wasn't a moment in that entire exercise 
or Nama Yunus didn't know what was happening, didn't know what she needed to do, and was unable to execute it. It was phenomenal. It was she was just Neo fighting Agent Smith like this man. It was uh, in the first Matrix anyway. It was it, I, I I was blown away by it. I was so happy to see it, just to see someone mature like that. To, to, to be so incredibly in tune with what has to happen and be able to pull it off at the same time in all of the many disparate ways in which um, a fight can come at you. You know, it's truly, truly take, I, 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 we are not worthy kind of moment for Rose Namajunas. Um, I always thought the hype around her was a little premature and, you know, she had the setback. Uh, I didn't think, I, I thought I was wrong when she went on the show. I thought, well, maybe now she's turned the corner. She hadn't quite done it then yet, and we'll see what happens to her in the future. You know, she beat Paige Van Zant, um, who's tough, but clearly has some work to do, which we'll get to in a second. But Rose Namajunas, I mean, what a what a treat it was to watch her work. That is why you watch MMA, man. That that is why somebody who can get out there and not just, I mean, let you know what time it is, but can do so in a way that is scientifically marvelous. That is so. Um, that is so just to watch, look, man, I, there's a lot of things I don't like, you know, there's a lot of things I don't like. There's certain TV programs I may not like, or, you know, I'm not the biggest fan necessarily of interpretive dancing or, um, you know, name any of the number of different activities or, um, you know, aspects of life that, that you encounter. But if you see somebody doing something and they're really good at it, you know, you can't just, you have to just stop and say, well, okay, you know what? Credit where credit is due, man. That is our lady or whatever. That is that is impressive. Now imagine you like MMA and then you see like you know the 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 ferocious function of fighting, and then you see someone who can bring it all together. That is Rose Namajunas last night, man. Um, I mean she could, she would have walked through a brick wall and still beaten Paige Van Zant. Just phenomenal. So let's talk about Paige Van Zant for just a second here because. I actually don't think this is that devastating a performance for a few reasons. Now, I don't think her corner did her any favors. That should be noted. You know, uh, I don't, I don't know that there are easy answers to cornering in MMA because it is fundamentally different than boxing, where you know you can kind of tell that if they can't beat you on these terms pretty quickly and they can't make adjustments after that, then there's really no hope for them. The chance of a bomb landing in boxing is not the same as the MMA or, you know, MMA, you could pull off a rolling heel hook or whatever the case. Um, those, those opportunities aren't afforded to in boxing. So corners are a little bit more willing to pull that trigger. Now I would argue this felt like a boxing match for the same reason that you would see Paige Van Zandt come over. And the minute they made contact, she wilted, not because she, she wilted here, but because she could not outsmart Rose. She just didn't know what to do. This is the same thing I'm talking about with Rousey a little bit. And you think it's crazy to talk about Rousey in the same terms. Rousey has a huge wealth of talent in a lot of other areas um, and even some of the in-between spaces. But when related to how do you get from here to there and make something happen, just didn't know what to do. And certainly it simply couldn't pull it off. Um, And you saw that immediately. And when they were on the outside, you saw Van Zant getting tuned up, man. But for me, uh, it looked like a boxing match because you know, the boxing match you get a you get a pretty clear sense if there's a mismatch, the superiority of one begins to shine and then sustain over long periods of time. And after the third round, you were like, uh, this is this is bad. 
you know, if Rose makes a mistake, maybe there's an opportunity there. But unless Rose makes a mistake, there's no going back on this one. She has she's simply hopeless. Paige Van Zandt. So you could have made an argument there about the uh, about the corner. For me though. Um, she's 21, and so while it was a bad beating, it's not the kind that I don't think um, will necessarily deter her going forward. Some of the people take bad beatings and they don't recover from them. I don't think that's going to be the case with her. Um, you know, again, it's just speculative, but I don't, I don't, I don't, get, I don't get that feel from it. Moreover, there's a little bit of a value into how lopsided it is. Um, oh, and by the way, one thing that I thought um, Paige Van Zandt did well first couple of rounds, she had a lot of problems. Um, defending herself. Now, in that third round, she got bloodied and almost choked out. But I think you can make it a case that as the fight went on, she was unable to stop the offense of Rose Namajunas in total. But she did get a little bit better as time went on defending herself from the bottom. I would argue that a little bit. Yes, she eventually got submitted because it was just too much of a differential. But um, I do think she was she was hanging on by more than just heart on the bottom. She wasn't just holding on for dear life. She was trying to control biceps and scoot herself into position and, and everything else. Um, but there's a value to that. So if you imagine yourself to be a very talented purple belt, right? You know, um, you've earned it. You've been training for like, I don't know, let's say four to six years or something. And you know a thing or two about the game. You know, you can, you can do things. And then you go up against a world-class black belt. When you lose, it doesn't nearly hurt as much. You know? Um on those circumstances, you talk to anybody. Uh, we had a guy on our team who, uh, you know, who had and some of these nogi tournaments winds up having these lopsided situations. Um, and he'll tell me, like, when he loses to those guys, it just doesn't feel the same kind of situation than these nogi circumstances because, like, the chance of you beating someone like that, it's just not like Halle Gracie. You can say what you want about him, but he made a good point. Like, in certain sports like that, you just don't, those guys don't lose by accident. And when there's that much of a differential, and then when someone is that dialed in on all of the different little nuances that have to go right, they're not going to lose by accident. They're going to lose if you take it from them. But you don't have the ability to take it from them, at least not now. So I guess what I mean is, it's one thing if you go in there and you think, God, I could have done this, and I could have done that, and you beat yourself up over it. And you might be thinking, well, isn't she going to beat herself up over the fact that there was such a massive differential? I'm sure to an extent that she will. But more than anything, I think what she's going to do is she's going to say, okay, you know what? I wasn't ready for this. But here's the good news. The beating sucked, but it's not going to derail me. I'm only 21 years old. I train with a good team. I am getting better. In two years' time, I'll be where Rose is now. I have plenty of opportunity to grow and improve. Plenty. Absolute plenty. Um, and when you think of it that way, you can say you can be at peace with something that you tried to jump a little bit before you were ready. But that level that you hit is not beyond you exceeding that level is not beyond you it's just a little bit too much right now there's something to be said for development and they tried to they tried to rush it a little bit um which is you know people make mistakes like that it's fine and now they can have a recalibration i also think that she was just you know moving so quickly into a place where like well is she gonna fight you in jaycheck next if she beats nami Yunus? what if she had beaten nami Yunus by accident like caught her 30 seconds in same nami Yunus that you saw there but this time you know just caught her coming in they would have given her Yin Jacek, I mean, this would be terrible for her to lose. You know, Yin Jacek will beat you pretty bad too. You know, um, maybe that wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world for her, all, all things considered. But you get the idea. It's just this is this is this is a recalibration to a level of normalcy and where she's supposed to be and what it's supposed to look like and how it's supposed to feel. She was going way too fast, way too quick, at her own detriment, 
in the long run. I absolutely believe um, this will be good for her. And let me say one more thing about Paige Van Zant that that needs to be acknowledged here. Um, anyone who had doubts about her before, oh, she's just a pretty girl, and you know she's winning because she's getting out in front, and maybe not so much in the Kaylin Curran fight, but you know, basically she's a front runner. You know, she is not a front runner at all. Paige Van Zandt is a warrior, truly. She might have a pretty face and whatever else you want to say about her. She's marketable, all, all that stuff. Okay, fine. You know, I won't, whatever. She's all that stuff and whatever else everyone says about her related to that. But, you know, you, you take away the, the, what she looks like and she is as much a warrior as anyone is. Absolute, absolute credit in terms of grit and determination to stick that out to never quit, to never mentally surrender. You know, you can, you can, you can say her coaches should have done her surrendering for her because someone like that is, you know, just incredible, incredible grit. I mean, think about that third round and that third round, I went back and watched, I think a little bit of it. How did she get out of that rear naked choke when it was all bloody? She used her own blood to slither out. I mean, yes, she was hand fighting and stuff too, but what helped her out was her own blood. Like she was sized for the blood to be there because it facilitated her escaping so she could continue fighting. I mean, what more could you ask out of someone? She gave you everything she had. What she had wasn't enough, but one day it's going to be. And for right now, here, <laughs> bro, you just don't know a lot of people like that. In your life, you don't know a lot of people who can do what Paige Van Zandt did on, on, on Thursday night. You simply don't. Neither do I. And I was in the Marine Corps. Like that is a that is a special... Um, but you want to talk about the call to violence? Try ha try answering the call to violence when it's when it's when you're losing it. That's a I mean it's another. It's one thing to answer the call to violence because you want to you want to hurt someone. Even that takes a little bit of will. Imagine you're the one getting bludgeoned, and you're still answering the call to violence. You are excited that the life that is leaking out of your face is facilitating your ability to escape a choke. So that you can continue to lose and keep taking a beating. Paige Van Zandt, I mean, if she didn't earn your respect last night, you just stop watching MMA completely. Someone says uh, Paige Van Zandt got exposed last night. Yes, she did. She's not terrible, though. Exposed does not mean terrible in this particular case. She got shown to be rushed developmentally. That's not quite the same thing as exposed. However, a part of me thinks that she should do what CM Punk is doing and take a year or two to just work on technique. Now, see, CM Punk has no experience and is not even worthy of conversation in the same uh, exchange that you're... If we're talking about Paige Van Zandt, he is not relevant to this discussion, not merely because he hasn't done anything, but because they exist at fundamentally two different levels of the game. I hope everyone understands that. Here's CM Punk in terms of technical acumen, and I would put Paige Van Zandt above where you can even look. So whatever her shortcomings are relative to Rose, CM Punk is that much further. He's that much less close. Let's acknowledge that right up front. So this sabbatical that you're suggesting that Paige Van Zandt takes to me is totally unnecessary. What is necessary is certainly... Looking at this tape, highlighting every point where they made an error, both from an offensive maneuver that went awry, 
all those head tosses were so bad. And you even saw and heard Brian Stan talk about the bad technique. She was just trying to bully people over. I'll go over it all over the uh, the Monday morning analyst. But the head tosses were, I mean, bad, bad head tosses, okay? All the areas where she was underneath and not defending herself properly, all the time she got taken down, all the time she had her head up straight, and just make a note and go through all those things and work on them. That's what she needs to do. And then take someone uh, in a challenge where it's a little bit more appropriate for her level of development. But this sabbatical a la CM Punk, CM Punk has to take a sabbatical because he has nothing to work with. Um, she is a very respectable, um, high-level pro. Uh, UFC Flavorless Champion Part 2. Yesterday you explained in, in uh, detail how GSP was a star despite his style and personality. Um, how can the UFC's champions without the gift of gab market themselves, and how can UFC support this? Jesus, that's a very complicated question. Um, it's a really complicated question for which I don't have a lot of time. <laughs> I'll, I'll, you know what? It's a good question, so I'm going to go back and I'll answer with text. Um, okay, Connor's workload. McGregor seems to be doing less media this time around, a lot less. Do you think this is a side effect of Ronda's loss simply being a line drawn between McGregor and the UFC? Uh, good question. Could be. Could be very much that he saw what Ronda did and was like, mm, not sure if I want to do that for me. So it could be that. I also think, you know, there's a lot of people talking about how uh, McGregor and Aldo were subdued. We talked about this yesterday. She also saying, you know, now these guys seem very much excited about, um, you know, they're not effusive with the suggestion that they're going to win. They don't they don't show the telltale signs that they believe fundamentally in their in the inevitability of their own victory. And that could very well be true. I, I, I don't know. I, I had a bit of a different read and I thought about this last night. I just feel like, I just feel like they got their game faces on, man. They promoted it as much as it possibly could need to be promoted. All that work is basically done. Um, certainly there's no point in repeating much of it. And they've brought their entire, you know, every portion of their team that they need to accomplish the job on Saturday. They are in impeccable shape. They have to make weight, which is, you know, is a challenge for both of them. I think they realize that they both have a tremendous, tremendous challenge in store for them on Saturday with a lot on the line. And I think they're just, they're, they're beginning to align themselves with that moment on Saturday night and to put out everything else. So it, to me, it's not like there is some sort of worry depressing what would be natural enthusiasm. To me, it is the frog in the in the pot before it's boiling. You know, um, it, we're, we're going to get there. It's going to get fever pitch by the time those two lock horns. It just doesn't make sense to um, cloud your judgment or mess with a natural, even keeled flow of things in the days out. Uh, given Paige Van Zandt's performance last night, is it safe to say that this loss may have been just as good as a win? No, it is not safe to say that. Uh, in relation to fans' acceptance of her as more of a, than a hype train, but as a prospect, well, it's not that it's not as good as a win. It's not even close to as good as a win. But I think what you're asking is slightly different. What you're asking is: Is there something salvageable about what happened to Paige Van Zandt last night? And the answer to that is 100% yes. Mohamed Khaledov. People keep asking about him. He's not coming to UFC. Just let it go. Um. How would a Dama Yunus versus Yinjechek fight go down? 
Namiguna still needs some work. She just needs a little bit more comfortability on the outside. She still is a little bit, you know, she was very accommodating of some of the blitzing and rushing that Paige Van Zandt did because I still think this space, this clinch space, is a natural um, fit for her offense. You saw her working last night on the outside um, with great one-twos. Not a lot else besides that. She doesn't have great one-twos and then step out at an angle. She doesn't step out at an angle and then throw a series of combinations and re-step into a different angle. She has good striking for what she needs, but what she needs is more time to build on that. Um, the effect of UFC 193 Part 2. So someone says, you misunderstood my question about Rousey's loss. Okay. My question is not how Rousey's loss affects the promotion of the UFC 194 event. The UFC is good at promoting. But how does the shocking loss affect the consumers that are going to be potentially buying the product? Will they be scared away from watching? No, 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 no. Oh, no. Uh, okay, this wasn't gotten to in yesterday's chat, so I'm posting it here too. Weidman's weight. He said his walking around weight was 192 pounds a few weeks ago. On Embedded, it showed he was 189 a few days ago. Can this be a good thing? How do you think it may affect the fight, if at all? You know, again, one of these situations where you have to see. But I like it. I like it. I don't think badly about it. I think, you know, when you have someone like him who had to fight Demi and Maya, and he had to basically nearly kill himself. And by the way, we we're living in a day when a fighter in Asia, uh, in, in the Philippines, died trying to cut weight, you know. And Chris Wyman probably came closer than we we can comfortably admit trying to do that. And I know it was a long time ago, and he's made weight a number of times since then. But I think for this one, he basically said to himself, leave no stone unturned. That diet needs to be 100% on point. Um, everything else needs to be on point. And I think what happened was they found his body was ahead of schedule. Not so much that I'm going to purposely get myself down to 189 this early, just that in the course of doing it, of crossing every T and dotting every I, it pushed his weight lower than he had anticipated, which he's just sort of embracing at this point. But if he's that weight, that means he's probably eating a little bit more too, unless he's, you know, maybe he's doing that and trying to maintain that at a low thing. I'm not exactly sure how he's eating, although he usually has a professional chef. But in any case, Long story short, whatever the specifics there may be, I do not think of that as a thing to be concerned about uh, unless you're Luke Rockhold. All right, good question. No more. Oh, wait, wait. He says, oh, no, comma, more championship rematches. Dana stated, on, stated that Rousey Home 2 is definitely on. Uh, and an event has been given for Kane versus Verdum too. My question is, can't the UFC have a bit more of a long view of things? Well, they're not fundamentally the same. Uh, I don't. I would not be opposed if Kane didn't get an immediate rematch, but it doesn't bother me nearly as much as Rousey's. Um, Kane had virtually two years off and was coming back from a devastating injury. That is, to me, very, very different, and, and was fighting at altitude. Uh, that is very, very different than Rousey, who essentially did too much media and had, you know, personal life issues. But other than that, from a competitive standpoint, had every possible advantage that one could have. Um, that, to me, is not the same at all. At all. And, and, and there showed to be a clear technique differential. There was a technique differential ultimately in the Kane versus Verdum fight, um, but that was, you know, in many ways precipitated 
by um, the other factors that are related to ring rust and um, fighting at altitude. So they're not the same. Let's see. What else do we have here? Yeah, someone asked about it. Okay. One FC fighter, Yang Zhang Bing, passed away today uh, due to weight cutting. Rest in peace. Are there any further updates to the complications he had and the circumstances that led up to his death? Not yet. It's still very early. And unfortunately, we're not there in Asia to get a lot of good answers. But um, certainly to the extent that that becomes publicly available, we're going to get out there. We're going to share those details because it is ultimately um, quite tragic. And by the way, shout-outs to Ian Rappaport, who is an idiot of the highest order, who has who sincerely lacks basic reading comprehension skills. Um, so, rap sheet. I would work on that if I were you. Uh, frustrating. Skip Bayless of ESPN. Why am I even going to read this question? Skip Bayless of ESPN's first take said yesterday on the show that to save the UFC, the weight of the sport of MMA rests on Rousey's shoulder. I'm not, I'm not even going to read this question. It's not your fault. I understand why you're asking it. You've, you've heard me talk about it before. I can't keep bringing it up because then I break my own rule, but I'm going to mention it again. Do not talk about first take. They're just saying things to get you to talk about them, positively or negatively. They don't care which one it is. Don't be their intern and go post about them on the internet because you're working for free. I encourage you to not be First Take's intern. The show is not serious. Nothing about it is serious. It's just designed to garner ratings and mindless noise which it is very successful at. And big shout-outs to all the websites out there that think covering the minutiae of those two qualifies as journalism, because it does not. Um, so I was asking about the stand-up, and I'm assuming you mean in the Sage Northcutt fight. Yeah, I thought it was trash. thought it was absolutely ridiculous and horrible, and, and it was bad for two ways. The first way it was bad was that it wasn't merited on its own terms. Right? There was no need for them to be stood up. And then the other part was that even if there had been, um, or I should say irrespective of that, it had a dramatic impact on the course of the fight. Now, maybe Sage Northcutt would have won anyway. In fact, I, 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 I think so. I think it, it was inevitable he was going to win. But you can't deny that the, the, the entirety of the fight completely switched after that. So I'm not so happy about that. Uh, what are your thoughts on Glenn Trowbridge? Scoring every round in Rose versus Page, a 10-9. What a buffoonish thing. What a totally buffoonish thing. Um, if there aren't 10-8s in that, then there is no such thing as a 10-8. I mean, has Glenn Trowbridge been watching too many ISIS beheading videos? Like, what, what is he looking for for a 10-8 to, to take place? You know, uh... Abuse of the unified rules, like brass knuckles. I mean, she had she had Nama Yunus bloodied, positionally controlled, and nearly unconscious after being battered. And he's like, you know what? I'm gonna give the edge to Rose, but just barely. What are you talking? I mean, what? What do you? What are you like? What are you doing? What are you doing in that chair? Get out! It's just. You know, at least I mean, he got the score for the right person, but it's just 
you know, look, it's Nevada. What do you want me to say? You had Adelaide Bird last night just, you know, literally throwing darts at a score sheet and being like, whatever it lands on, you you pick that for me. Totally incompetent, um, you know, score sheets. She's been in Nevada forever, making mistakes forever. They do nothing about it because they simply don't care. Whatever agreement they end up working out with Nick Diaz to me is totally irrelevant. The whole thing is still a giant problem. So even if they fix what happened to Nick Diaz because of the, you know, uh, record-setting amount of vitriol and upbraiding that it resulted in, um, that it's still institutionally rotten. And you see Pat Lundvall out there just mouth-breathing outside the cage. That was hilarious. Hot prospects. Luke, are there any hot prospects outside the UFC we maybe haven't heard of? Yep, they're in Bellator and World Series of Fighting and Titan. Watch those shows. Is the poster curse real? So it's got JDS. Everyone's got a belt on. JDS, X over his face. Ben Henderson, X over his face. Silva, X over his face. GSP, X over his face. And then it's got uh, Cruz, X over his knee. John Jones, X over his no. And then at the end, it's got Jose Aldo. Is he, is he going to lose it? Is the curse real? It very well could be. We'll find out Saturday. I don't believe in curses, though. Uh, thoughts on these potential matchups following last night's event. Van Zant versus Marina Moroz. I like it. Sage Northcutt versus Jake Matthews. I can dig it. Sure. Uh, Aljamain Sterling versus Brian Caraway. Love that fight. Tim Means versus Tiago Alves. I mean, y'all see Tim Means out there? Tim Means out there letting people know what time it is, man. Just short left hook. Bink. Uh, let's go to the Twitter machine if we can. Whoops. Have you watched Creed yet? No, man. My wife wants to go see Spectre this weekend. Not size for that at all. Uh, who's your pick if Gedalia fights Nama Yunus in March or April 2016? Still be Gedalia. As amazing as Nama Yunus was last night, I still think developmentally she's got some work. Someone like Adelia can take the fight to the ground. She's much more athletic, much stronger, much more physical athlete. For someone like Nama Yunus to be able to beat someone like Adelia, there has to be a major skill differential. And I think she can get there, but she's not there yet. Someone says, listen to you on Irish radio earlier. Yeah, I was on a, a drive time RTE. I guess that's a big radio uh, station in, 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 uh, in Ireland. Tips for tweeting while watching fights. Yeah, don't. You could set up a champion versus champion super fight in UFC. Who would it be? Uh, Jones versus Verdum. Let's see. How good of a coach is Trevor Whitman? Um, he is quite, quite good of a coach. I don't know enough about uh, the range of his coaching abilities because I haven't seen them up close. You know, to what extent he can work well with other coaches and to what extent he can... Um, work with things where you may lack on the ground or uh, in transition. But certainly if you have a lot of other components built in, um, I know I can say confidently what he can do for your striking in MMA context is phenomenal. And he just seems to know how to work with Rose too, right? It's one thing if you have a good coach. What does a good coach mean? Can a good coach make anybody good? A good coach can make most people better than them they are. 
But sometimes a coach and an athlete can have a very special bond where that fighter will get this, something out of this coach that even as good as this coach is, he can't do for other people. They just have a particular bond. Um, and I think Whitman and uh, Namayuna seem to understand each other's methods and necessities very, very well. I think there's a, there's something ticking there uh, between the two. Is it just me, or does any UFC fighter who signed an exclusive Reebok deal seem to be having horrible luck? To be said for that. True or false? Page's stock doesn't go up, but it doesn't drop. Um, I think her stock drops, but uh, her stock drops, but in a healthy way. Part two: She at least co-mains her next fight. False. Uh, my stomach gets nervous, upset when I watch favorites like Anderson and Connor. Any fighters get your belly going? Yeah, anytime um, a big fight happens, a Rousey versus Holm, um, especially as I, as that began to unfold, I was like, like my dogs. Um, I'll have it for the two co-main events on Saturday. Um, I'll have it for the main event tonight. Yeah, all, all the time, man. Sometimes people are like I don't have a. I tell them I don't have a favorite fighter because I'm a journalist and and I, I you know I I watch MMA much more dispassionately than I used to. Understand every time there's a major MMA event of that significance and it, and it has a main event of true significance. Um, I I'm 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 in I'm all in in ways you can't imagine. I've broken furniture in the house before because I couldn't believe the result. I broke I literally broke furniture in my house when Mir submitted um, Brock Lesnar. That was many years ago. But don't don't think I have extinguished the flame of interest in, in the sport. Do you think the UFC will still sign Sal Rogers after the whole visa issue? Only if it gets resolved quickly, and probably not. Where does Tony Ferguson fit into the title picture with a win tonight? Um, very close to the top, if not number one contender, depending on how he wins. Good question. Rick Story's next fight. Is he underappreciated? Yeah. Um, arguable record of 14 and 3, only losing to Maya. Short notice, Brennan debut. Yeah, Bre Brennan debut. Sorry. Um, it's a good question. I don't know how to answer that. I really don't know how to answer that. What is what is up with Rick Story? You know what? I'm going to look into that. I'm going to reach out to Rick Story, see what he's up to. It seems the pros are also hating on Sage. They're not hating on Sage. Uh, is this just jealousy, or is they coming from too much of an act for them? Look, the guys, the kid is a goober. I mean, he's a nice kid, right? Um, all he does is say yes sir, no sir, and he shows up where he's supposed to, and he does his job, and he's a tons of fun to watch. But he's a goober. He, you know, he's a Tim Tebow goober, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's worse things to be than a Tim Tebow goober. Probably being me is worse than being a Tim Tebow goober. But that's what he is, and so it's different. It's unusual, but they'll come around on him, man. Um. Luke, why don't you start the chat by breaking down some of the coming fights that you personally want to talk about? Because it's not how the chat works. It's your questions. Saul Rockwell was wearing his Adidas gear yesterday at the open workouts. Do you think he'll face repercussions? Good question, but I don't think so. Will Aldo versus McGregor redefine the way we view striking in MMA? Uh, only if they come out in donkey guard and then kick each other with their legs while their hands are planted on the mat, asses facing each other. 
I don't like, what, what do y'all expect to happen here? Like that we just figured out we don't know anything about striking until these two guys came along. I mean, they're going to do a couple of interesting things. They're not going to revolutionize striking. They'll add a couple of twists at best. Thoughts on the professional journalist who asked Wyman and Rockhold, is the light heavyweight title being overshadowed? I don't know who did that. Do you see the UFC making this an annual event? Probably not, no. But doing two back-to-back, yes. What did you think about Sage's bottom game? I thought it was very elementary. Kept going for the same scissor sweep. Yeah, he seemed a little bit out of sorts. And that reach by, that 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 um, that pass where you sit your base out, you turn to the side, you put your your hand through to break the guard. You know that's something you have to practice a lot. It's a lot of people don't do it because if you don't get a lot of the balancing right, if you don't get that underhook on the other side, you can get flipped. And there's there's lots of problems with it. Um, and he didn't seem to have an answer for it. Yeah, I, I didn't think much of his guard. I didn't think much of his defensive movement. It was a lot of, um, you know, uh, leg uh, or knee shield to then recapture half guard and or, or knee, knee shield, excuse me, to capture full guard. A lot of shrimping. Just doesn't seem like he spends a lot of time there, which is fine. He doesn't have to if he's got better takedown defense or he's got six sweeps. But if he's going to be um, slightly helpless there, he needs a little bit more work on that, I think. Uh, how about the finish rate in the smaller cage? Yes, it was excellent. Uh, how refreshing to hear a corner tell the truth that a fighter is down two rounds. Did this make a difference in the fight? I think what you meant was in the um, Nama Yunus fight, but ultimately, no, it didn't. Okay, this is a serious question, or at least I hope it's not a serious question. If Conor McGregor loses tomorrow, to the, uh, should the UFC book him against Sage Northcutt at 155? I mean, do y'all do y'all hear yourself? Do y'all have no under? I mean, do you guys understand there are levels to the game, right? You watch soccer, or you watch American football. There's Division One football, and then there's Division Two and Division Three. There's less than that. Then there's the pros, soccer. There's you know, they've ranked the various leagues. Um. Chances are, if you play in the Dutch league, you're not as good as someone who might start for Barcelona. There's there's levels to the game. Right? Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. the The difference between the two in levels uh, would preclude any kind of matchup like that. Just the same as people would be like, you know, I think CM Punk could beat Cole Pendry. Cole Pendry wouldn't even need to train for that fight, and he would beat CM Punk like that. Y'all just just not understanding what the space here between those two things mean. Uh, I'm not sure what that means. Someone's got a bizarre question. Uh, All right. Let's keep going with the time we have remaining. Uh, the attitudes of Chris Weidman and Luke Rockhold. At a recent UFC 194 Ultimate Fighter finale presser, Weidman and Rockhold openly stated that they were comfortable taking a backseat while Connor did most of the legwork promoting the card. What kind of a message is this sending out? The kind that says, I am so focused on this incredible 
uh, monster I have to fight on Saturday. I really don't care about doing the hefty work for promotion. Seems like an entirely human and appropriate response. If you don't need to add anything to it, and you can focus your energy instead on getting ready for someone who could take your belt and change your life, maybe go ahead and do that. Doesn't send any kind of message to anything. At least not one that's not in any way understandable. Uh, please discuss Barboza versus the Ferguson fight. How do you think it'll go, and who's your pick? If Ferguson plays around too much, um, he could get lit up with those leg kicks and I think slowed down, ultimately picked apart, but I don't think in the end that's really going to happen. What you've seen from Ferguson is his movement has become uh, tremendous, both inside and outside. Uh, the angles he's taking, the combinations he makes off of the angles, um, when he steps to the angles, not just his timing to strike, but his timing to step and then strike has just been absolutely incredible. Um, he mixes up things so well. And again, one thing that I mentioned in my uh, predictions that are up now, we don't talk about it enough with Tony Ferguson. Man's got crushing knockout power. You know, so you take a guy who will take a couple of risks, but has really begun to um, put the finesse and technical acumen of his game together in ways he hadn't before. And he can thump against a guy who can't really take a shot. I just like, I, I just like his chances. I really like Ferguson's chances. Barboza can beat anybody. But I like I like Ferguson's chances. I really truly do. Um, I discussed what could make Aldo McGregor less than interesting. That's if it copies um, the Diaz versus uh, Condit model. I don't think that's very likely, but it could. Uh, Aldo McGregor stays on the feet the entire time. True or false? False. Even if somebody gets knocked down, which I expect, even if somebody slips. There's going to be some action on the ground. In the end, I have a hard time seeing the ground being where this is all decided, unless Jose Aldo really makes it a priority. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe he does. You know, maybe he just decides I can clown this fool on the ground. I'm not saying he he will. I'm saying in his mind, maybe he says I can clown this fool, and and I'm just going to spend my energy there. Maybe I, I don't know. Yeah, good question. And we'll likely end here. Stare downs. Ido Portal and Sonnen and uh, Aldo versus Edgar. Luke, uh, I saw the press conference stare down between Aldo and Connor, and I thought Connor's stance was a bit wider than usual. Jose also seemed to shake as they got closer. Not like this, like he was shaking his hand, like he wanted to punch the guy in the face. Do you think Connor's playing mind games using the wider stance to go Jose into using his leg kicks too recklessly? No, that's not what he's doing. These guys are not simpletons. They're not doing things like that. Now, here's the question. The Ido Portal, that's the movement guy, the guy that had the stick, and he's just like... He's one of the one of the poster children for the for the movement. Uh, I don't know what you want to call them. Uh, the movement enclave, the movement um, society, whatever. He's like he's one of the leaders of that. I, in my understanding, anyway. Even if they recognize he's largely a douchebag. Um. So he's incredibly fit and this, has this gymnastic parkour like ability to you know, contort and make his body do things that it ordinarily would not do. And, and he can go through this. And he exemplifies that through different forms of motion. Um, what I think the motion thing is, the wide stance to me was just um, McGregor expressing himself and how he feels about his technique. Not that he's sending a message about what he intends to do or to like not do. I think he was just expressing himself. People who, who you talk to bodybuilders, they have different poses that they really like. Because they feel not just that it shows off themselves the best, but that they can. There's just something about this, that that being an appropriate reflection of themselves. I think very much Conor McGregor is about projecting generally to the world. Um, 
And so I think that's what that is. But the Edo Ports Hall stuff, I've been trying to wrap my head around it. If you ask someone, what does the movement stuff mean to Conor McGregor? You don't really ever get a good answer. No one basically can tell you what it means. Here's what I think it means. What, it, what I think it means is if you can open the range of different things that your body can do, right? It can move in certain ways. It can hold itself in certain ways. It can hold and move and transition between the two, and it can balance itself. Then you open up a wider range of possible techniques you can use in that space or around that space. It, it, it broadens the available opportunity um, to either defensively maneuver away or offensively act. I think that's what the motion stuff is. Greater body control means greater use of a wider array of arsenal. You know, and, and, and how much and how far that goes, I don't know. There might be diminishing returns to this. It might all be in Connor's head. We don't know. But that's what I think the movement stuff means. So when he's doing that stuff with the stick, he's just trying to get Connor to think about um, the ways in which his body can respond to stimuli um, to both evade and attack in ways that you wouldn't be necessarily taught in a more structured martial arts or kickboxing or jiu-jitsu um, wrestling environment. I think that's what that means. So look, we got to go. I'm over my time limit. Let me just say something here as I close the show. Number one, Luke Thomas show today at 4 p.m. Don't forget about that. Sirius XM channel 93. Uh, but more than that, um, thank you for sticking with me these three days. I, I don't know if I'll ever do this again, <laughs> um, three, three shows in three days, but I had a blast and I hope it was a reflection of the fact that um, there was quite a bit to discuss. This is a very unique moment in time in the sport. You should really take the time to enjoy it. So let me say to you, even if I am grumpy and I answer some of your questions like an a-hole, I'm sorry for that. I don't intend that. I just didn't sleep well. I haven't slept well in a while. And more than that, I so much appreciate you guys being a part of this. And there were a lot of good questions and there were a lot of smart observations and I couldn't do this without you. It's been a ton of fun. I'm so glad we got the chance to do this and I'm so glad it worked out. The traffic's been great for it. I, I just can't thank you enough. So with that said, stick around. Lots of coverage. You guys know what time it is. We're, we've, we've ramped up coverage in ways you can't imagine for this one. So stick around. All that's coming. iTunes.com slash promotional malpractice. Um, and until next time, man, see you guys in about, I don't know, a couple of days. I'll do Monday morning analysts and then the chat next week. But until the, the next time you talk to me, the sport will be different. And with that thought, stay frosty.